0: Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We did not film very much during the pandemic. Um, A lot of what we have been up to in terms of content creation has been done on the couch, which is really where I work most of the time, where most of our staff works most of the time. We've always been a work-at-home type of organization, Um, even before COVID made that popular. Um, But there was a video concept that I had in mind from a few years ago, because when I come up with new ideas, I sort of look to what categories do we need to debunk, what information do people um, outside the community, you know, don't know about us, and also what about people in the community that have less access, what about the people that come from more rigid families, it's possible to grow up orthodox and literally have no idea of the things that are happening in other communities or other families because you've been raised in such sort of a narrow slice. Um, and we see that with our Mako members who you know, are coming to us because they haven't had positive experiences with orthodoxy. And we certainly see that in the media, repeating sort of the same narrative over and over again. And so one of the sort of misconceptions that I think we wanted to address that we're doing through this video is that orthodox Jews can't be involved in self-expression. They don't create art. I think sort of from um, looking from an outsider's view, when you see black and white um, on the community, which is not how everyone dresses, but a lot of men in the Haredi community do dress in black and white, it could give them the impression that there's no room for color or self-expression. And so we decided to make a video about Orthodox Jewish artists. And as we were looking to do sort of a very specific video and recruit, we ended up talking to a lot of artists, talking to a lot of people that, in fact, it was we put out our feelers onto our platforms asking who's out there. We were flooded with so many artists that are proudly orthodox and proudly and passionately creating their art. Um, And I got to connect with someone who I've known before uh, through my in-laws, who is not just creating art herself, but who has actually uh, created a, a vehicle for other Orthodox Jewish women to create art. Her name is Amy Guderson and she's the founder and director of Tzohar Seminary, um, which is a seminary for Hasidus and arts um, in the Lubavitch world, uh, located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me, Allison. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So if you could start us off sort of letting us know um, what was your Jewish background growing up and when and why and how did you get involved in the arts?
1: Yeah, so um, I grew up in a modern orthodox home um, in Long Island, New York, and went through uh, yeshivas all the way through college. I went to Stern College and at Stern College, I was uh, the first theater major ever. I had a choice. Um, my minor was in fine arts and my major was in theater. And there was never a theater major before. I decided to go into the thing that really made me happy, uh, seeing that there was no path kind of trod on ahead of me. And yes, it would have been way easier if I had majored in fine arts. Um, and, uh, you know, I found the school very supportive. But I did find that even in my modern Orthodox upbringing, that there was a lack of arts um, throughout, throughout my education. Um, I think things have changed more in the modern Orthodox Yeshiva day school system, mm-hmm. but it's still not as much of a focus as it would be in, let's say, a public school situation You know that my husband grew up in. Um, so as a volunteer
0: project you've um, um, enjoyed this, that, yeah, you not have so much available in your modern orthodoxy. So we're talking uh, a few decades back uh, when you were in school there. Um, yes. Like when, why, how did you discover that you had this love of theater? I'm always curious how people that aren't explicitly introduced to something um, find this passion in themselves.
1: I think it, I think it has to do with personality. And I do think that I was attracted to creativity, it was kind of like my learning tool, you know, now that I'm in education, which I never had planned to be, um, I find that, you know, when I was in the classroom, I was doodling or my head was somewhere else. And it was only when we were like allowed or told to activate something like write a play about this, that I really became engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say I really tuned out of half of my education because it wasn't approached in the right way for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you talk about the kinds of learners, you know, there are what learners, how learners, why learners, uh, and I would categorize the kind of learner I was as a what if learner. So I'd listen for 10, 15 minutes till something actually grabbed my attention. and then my mind would be off wondering, well, if this is true, what can I do with this? What if this became a play or what if this, you know, was taken to the next degree? And that's the way I learned. If I had learned history through the lens of, of write a screenplay about this time in history, I would have been completely engaged, but I was not. And so it was only during the after school times that my parents allowed me art lessons or da- dance lessons or, or even acting lessons, whatever they were, Each one of those things I was totally engaged with. So it was a personality thing and a way of learning thing early on, for sure. And also I was exposed. I wasn't growing up in like a Hasidic neighborhood. We were exposed to the arts and culture and film and we went to theater. So I could see what was around me, even though it didn't feel accessible to do on a professional level.
0: Mm -hmm. But you push it seems like the um the artist was created to create and so even if the path isn't so clear in front of her um she'll kind of find a way to break through so i didn't read your whole long bio about some of your different um acting and theater experiences but if you could take us through once you did this um you know acting major a theater major at stern take us through a little bit of your professional background in the the world of theater
1: Yeah. So, I mean, initially my intention was to find a way to do it within orthodoxy. And I did step away for about four or five years when I was studying acting seriously. Um, I studied with a woman named Uda Hagen, who is a very, was a very actress and and acting teacher. Um, And I studied with Mike Nichols, who was the director and a man named Paul Sills who started uh, the first improv theaters in this country. Mm. So, you know, having studied with those people and then I did act off Broadway. Um, some of it was Jewish theater, some of it was Yiddish theater. Um, and that was great to connect the parts of myself, but- Wait, you um, speak
0: Yiddish, you were uh, able to speak Yiddish?
1: I did not know almost any Yiddish and none of the younger people did and we learned the, the roles. I had some nightmares about like forgetting my lines for sure. Um, but we managed and uh, we were taught Yiddish for the play, all the younger people in the play. It was at the Folk's Bina Theater, theater, uh, which is known now for having the recent show Fiddler on the Roof, but this was before then, way before then. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yeah, so I got my actors equity uh, card, uh, was a member of the theater union and acted professionally uh, for about four or five years uh, before deciding, again, to observe the Sabbath and just kind of threw my hands up to God and said, hey, you know, I forged this profession into this profession and, you know, uh, it's up to you to lead me where I'm supposed to go next. And that's how it's been since then, Um, you know, keeping Shabbos again. And actually, that's when I got more into Hasidus, which I really didn't know that much about before. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband was Makariv through Chabad. He grew up reform out in Seattle. And um, so we got into Chabad here, how it is here in the States. We moved to a community here in Pittsburgh that is, I would say, mostly comprised of Balei Tshuva, uh, Chabad Balei and a mix of other, uh, all kinds of Jews, which really appealed to us because we felt that we were different kinds of Jews all in one. Um, and it's been a, a great place to be. It really has. So this is where we raised our, our kids. And, um, you know, there are several creative paths that I've tried to, uh, find, you know, ways of, of utilizing, uh, my talents and creating places for others. And that's partly why I know your mother-in-law, um, ways for others to express their own talents. So we started a Jewish women's theater group years ago called Kolisha, which was Jewish women across the spectrum of Judaism coming together and creating original theater based on their um, issues as Jewish women and issues of unity and disunity. Um, and we did that for about 15 years. Um, and then I started on the path to start Sohar. Um,
0: before you go to Sohar, let me just ask you to yes. step back. So you said you put your hands up to God to kind of take me on this path. Were you able to make yeah. any acting gigs, theater gigs once you took on Shabbos or did that door basically close to you and people couldn't work with with your religious requirements?
1: Well, it kind of all happened at once. The last play that I did uh, where I performed on Shabbos was a body restoration comedy, whereas a lot of the others had been uh, Jewish theater, Jewish related. Uh, this one, last one was not, and I was in a very spiritual headspace. And I decided from the start of that production, I was going to walk to the theater. And so I walked. I lived on the Upper West Side. I walked all the way down to the uh, to the Lower West Side, and you know, did did theater. And then by the end of that play, I just said yeah, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I've got to, you know, really do Shabbos and we'll see what happens. And very soon after that, I met my husband and, and we moved. So it was a whole life shift all at once. Um, But I found that um, there were certain things that were open to me. Uh, There's a group called Pittsburgh Playback Theater, where I performed improv for about 25 years. And it was a theater of service where we played back the audience's stories and feelings through improvisation. Mm-hmm. And I was a pretty skilled improver with my, um, with my background. So in, in studying improv. Um So it, I was part of a core group. And if they had a Friday night, or they had a Saturday, they knew I wasn't coming. Mm-hmm. It was an improv performance. It wasn't a script with set nights in a theater. But those kinds of things, I mean, I've actually gone to a couple of auditions locally, but we all knew that I wasn't going to do them because I wasn't going to do Friday night. I wasn't going to do Saturday. So, um, so the, the improv, the playback, and an occasional play here and there that was done through uh, the Jewish theater of Pittsburgh, which was at the JCC here. Um, So I performed in a play there. Um, And mostly though, and also a television series, a video series called agent MS. I was in that for, many years and many, many parts of the series. So different things here and there would come up. Um, But as a whole, I had to find other ways to uh, use my talents and creativity. And so within that women's theater group, I became an artistic director. I taught other women improv and theater and we developed original theater. So that was part of my improv slash acting background that I kind of gave forward. So it's actually been interesting that I guess I've been meant to create these vessels uh, for others. You know, sometimes your limitations open you up in new ways and that's definitely what it's been for me. Um, part of that ride, for sure. Do you have any
0: thoughts on, and then we're going to move on to Zohar, uh, Zohar in a moment. Um, do you have any thoughts? Cause I just think about this a lot. There are certain fields that um, are more sort of um, flexible for the, you know, Shabbos observing Jew law. Um, I think a lot of doctors in the New York area figure that out, finance. I mean, you kind of have like some of the bigger category, uh, you know, jobs that more people are in in sort of the New York area. And then you move on to sort of like entertainment, media, sports, and there seems to be a lot less um, understanding, flexibility, willingness to you know, work with the Shomer Shabbos person. Do you have any thoughts about why that is? Is it just the nature of the schedule? Is it just that less Shomer Shabbos people have tried to push their way in? And so therefore there's just less.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there, Alison. I think it's two-sided. I, I think one, yes, there's less knowledge. Nobody's going to bend for me for me on Broadway, although they did bend for Dudu Fisher um and Le Miserables. He came in from Israel and I think they, they had somebody on Friday night and Saturday who, who was in for him. But, you know, that's a very, very rare thing. Um, we hear recently about sports and baseball. There were two drafts, uh, some young men who are a Sabbath observant who, who were drafted um, into MLB. Um, so, yeah, I would say entertainment and sports are probably, are probably the big ones. But then you have to ask yourself, on the other hand, and I still ask myself this, How much have I tried to forge ahead, knowing that that was my limitation? Like, Mm -hmm. um, how much am I trusting in God to say, okay, I'm going to put myself out there. Now, I know for most theater, that's not true. But can I put myself out there for film and TV? Well, most people have the attitude of, well, forget her, perhaps. But, you know, I think at my age now, I'm kind of getting a different view of it. I'm kind of like i have nothing to lose um I'm, I'm doing other things that i care about so hard being one of them and um starting to get back into the idea of of wanting to act that none of the other things that i've done have replaced um that art for me i mean i've become a, a theater director a film director a screenwriter a producer um a teacher and none of those things use the same part of the brain or the same part of my functioning that, that acting do, um, that acting does. And, uh, I'd like to put myself out there again for that. So that's something new that's coming to me, you know, and I think that has to do with feeling good in my own skin and feeling like God will provide me the path that needs to be provided for. And if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be so, I think that has to do with me being at a different spot in life and a different time. Um, but it is about putting yourself out there too, for sure. And and for what, for which kind of thing. So we'll see. <laughs> I mean, that'll
0: be a reinvigorated thing. I hope these conversations inspire the people that, you know, um, are sitting on the sidelines or could be pushing that, you know, line further to say, it's only gonna happen as more and more of us, um, you know, sort of test out the the system i mean speaking about professional sports i've interviewed tamir goodman who spoke about how his late father was like you know one of the first lawyers to wear a yarmulke in a courtroom and that was groundbreaking then and now we see that all the time and i you know i can't help but think about how although the jewish community has gotten to a point in society where you know we have a lot of positions we have a lot of leadership positions for orthodox jews we are still having so many firsts and um what we talked about before, we sort of get this continuous vilification in the media when people don't realize right. that professionally we're still having these historic firsts, BD Deutsch, you know, different things like that. And um right. it's amazing, amazing. You know, to, to push those things. So let's talk about how you are a vessel for helping to put other uh, female artists into the world. Because if we talk about representation, um, you know, you have um an Orthodox where you have a, a girl that, you know. Um, wanted to play piano and she couldn't. And then, you know, she um, ends up singing in the the miniseries as her way into this, you know, sort of art world. So that sort of gave this impression that, you know, music in the Hasidic world is verboten and not allowed. And while I'm sure there are, you know, stricter families and more rigid families that just make lots of things prohibited without any source behind it. Um, what are you doing to, you know, um, provide what what type of, you know, uh, arts does Sohar cater to? Who is coming to you? Tell us a little about how that works.
1: Sure, sure. Well, um, we're just starting our eleventh year at Sohar, so it's it's not a new thing. Although many people, I'm sure, don't know about us. Um, unlike most seminaries, our seminary is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, and because I was part of a Chabad community anyway. And I really felt that the arts and Hasidus would go well together, which they do. Um, that's how, why we started it as a Chabad Seminary. But it is starting to appeal to some young women, uh, for example, in Lakewood or mm-hmm. from the more modern Orthodox streams. I think it's limited because it is in Pittsburgh and a lot of young women you know, view their year as being um, in, in Israel. So that's something we might tackle in the future. Um, but Chabad seminaries are all over the world. I mean, we have them in Florida and in, uh, in uh, um, Milan, Italy. And yes, there are a couple in Israel, but they're all over the place. Australia, et cetera. So why not Pittsburgh, right? So that was, you know, 11 years ago uh, when we started here. Um, there was a little eye rolling, like why Pittsburgh? But mm-hmm. it's been a great place uh, to actually start this, this venture, We have a lot of artists in our community and around us because we're in a university town. Carnegie Mellon is here, which is a big, big arts program. Um, And it's just a a good place to be. It's not a difficult place to be. It's a good place to be. So the initial thought of starting Sohar was my own battle of, okay, I'm a young Jewish woman who knows about her Judaism and has grown up with it. And I'm not trying to shed it. I'm not, I wasn't constricted terribly like the woman in unorthodox seemed to be, mm-hmm. um, and um, my daughters weren't. And I grew up more modern orthodox. My daughters grew up in this very Balchuva um, Chabad community, which I have to say in some ways I find more liberal, in some ways less, but it's, it's more negligible there than what you're seeing in unorthodox, which is a very um, much more extreme community. So um, I'd say um, even the the Chabad girls that I get are pretty worldly. Um, Many of their uh, parents are on shlichut, like they're off in who knows where, um, across the United States. Also, they come from other countries. So we're getting some pretty worldly girls. Um, And the initial thought was, okay, I couldn't really, I mean, thank goodness for Stern College that I could for a few years, but... I couldn't really put my Judaism together with the acting that I wanted to do. And I have two daughters who are musicians and singers, and I felt like, where could they go to learn about all parts of themselves? So not just, you know, to cut out like I did, to go study acting and cut out of my Jewish world, where can they stay in the Jewish world and where can they develop their artistic selves So that was the initial thought of creating Sohar that they could come and spend a gap year involved in Torah and Hasidut and deep learning of creativity in the arts. And knowing that they haven't had that in their schools, almost nothing. Like really, if they have an art class, you know, in 12th grade, you know, once a week, that's considered great. Uh, But it's really not integrated into um, the education. Again, I'm hearing more in modern orthodox schools more recently that 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 is um the arts are a factor but still less in the chabad schools and and i'm sure um i i don't know about all the schools i'm just saying when we started this um kind of what we saw and so um initially that was that was the focus you know how can you be all the parts of of yourself, all the God-given parts of yourself. God made you Jewish, a young Jewish woman who knows that you are and that you're educated and you come from an observant family, but God also gave you talents and you're aware of them and you're aware of your creativity and you're aware of your need to use the creativity. So that was the initial thing. As we started, um, even in the first year, what we saw was when we put the learning of Hasidus together with the learning of the arts, and when the girls took something that they learned in Hasidus, and I'm I'm term, terming not Hasidus not like oh hearing a Hasidic story, I'm terming it like learning uh, practical Kabbalah, I guess is a way of putting it. Learning the deeper, more mystical parts of Torah, which are we call them more like the oil of Torah rather than Torah's the water. You know, it's our our, our tree of life or our water. It's our our life force, but. Hasidus Hasidus is the oil. It's the, why does it taste good? Why do I want to do it? Why do I want to burst out into the world and and be a vessel of Torah? Mm -hmm. So that's the sense of Hasidus uh, that I'm talking about and the learning of Hasidus that I'm talking about, which is, you know, a lot of the girls were exposed to it, but I think when they're younger, they don't get it in the same way. When they own it in their seminary year, when they own it for themselves and they can ask their questions They really own it. Mm. And doing that along with all these venues for for expression, you know, we have creative writing, we have playwriting and screenwriting, we have theater, we have filmmaking, we have visual arts, we have music, we have dance. And in the first semester the girls have to take everything. Mm. So they're exposed to all of these art forms. It's very overwhelming, especially the first few weeks. They're like, whoa, what's happening to me? but they're learning all of the all, all of these crafts. And by the end of first semester, they take um, a lesson in Hasidah, something that they've been connecting to personally. And we've also do a lot of personal work. They write morning pages every day, kind of hearing their own voice uh, for the first time, not their mother's voice, not their teacher's voice, but what do I think, what questions do I have? Who am I or who do I think I am? So that's building along with Uh, the learning of the Hasidus and the learning of all these modes of expression. And they choose an art form to um, express, you know, what is this piece of Hasidus that I connect to um, in a personal way through my personal growth? And so by the end of the first semester, we're having a presentation where they're they're sharing original poetry or original songs original films or original dances, et cetera, et cetera, paintings but they, they get up and they present it in front of an audience, whether online or in person, depending what year. And um, they're sharing themselves with an audience as an artist for the first time, as a young Jewish woman who has grown so much from the experience and as an individual. And so that's been our process and kind of what's been mind blowing to us in putting the Hasidahs and the arts together. Just seeing the the huge um, personal growth that happens um, and the excitement for their Judaism and their expression and their arts. And they don't all become artists in the end. Um, They do other things as well, but but they they really grow as, as human beings and as creative people who see the world in a totally different way. So Um, it's been very gratifying.
0: How many girls do you have, young women do you have on an average year? And sort of how long is the day, the seminary day?
1: So um, here, um, now that we're here in Pittsburgh, and I'm talking about future of maybe moving to Israel, um, the best number we found is around 18, Mm -hmm. because we really focus on each girl's growth. And when we've had larger groups, it's been difficult for us. Mm um that's at least in this venue where we are now i could see in the future it growing and having a different mapping out of of all but 18 is around that is is a good number mm-hmm. um the day starts at about 8 45 uh with our main chassid chassidus teacher rabbi aaron herman who's amazing the girls love learning with him um and then it goes into um uh, breakfast and morning pages, which I told you about, which is these three pages of stream of consciousness, just getting it out of your head onto the page. It's originated by Julia Cameron, the artist's way. Um, and we teach the girls to have that as part of their day. And then they go into their davening and the rest of their day. So the morning is after that is like two more Torah and Chassidus classes. And then the afternoons are arts classes. And most of the arts classes are happening once a week. So they have a two-hour class. So if it's a creative writing class, that's two hours. If it's a playwriting and screenwriting class, that's two hours. If it's filmmaking, that's two hours. And um, improv, I do with them this afternoon, that's a two-hour class. So, um, So they're really entrenching themselves in that afternoon into that art. And they're getting a holistic kind of approach to creativity. And they start to find... You know, what things do I really love and what, what am I attracted to? What am I good at? What am I less good at? But is it okay to just play? That's one of the things we go back to, is especially with improv and in art class. Like we tell them, you know, you don't have to be good, just play, like regain that sense of being in a circle and improvisation. And you're going back to kindergarten and having the sense of not behaving behind your desk only. But finding it, I always say to them, park your brain at the door. This is a different part of you that you haven't been taught to to utilize. And so they're really dipping into their creative selves. Um, I wouldn't say for the first time, but maybe since preschool. Um, And yeah, thank God, thank God. It's been a great process. We've learned a lot.
0: Beautiful. Um, we're just about out of time now, but let our listeners know, how can they find more about SOHAR?
1: Well, we have a website. It's Uh SOHAR is uh, from Parshat Noah, and it's either the window or skylight that um, Noah put into the ark, or Rashi terms it either a precious stone that shines its light out. So, We think of it in both ways of letting the light of creativity into these young women's lives or sharing their precious light out with the world. So that's been our image um, that works so well. And I just want to add that, you know, with all that's kind of being put out there about Orthodox women, I think that that this is a game changer, that these will be some of the young women in the future who will create some of the media that you're seeing out there. I have a, a Former student who's an animator who's working on Marvel films. Um, there's a young woman who graduated who um, creates prosthetics. So they're using their creativity and, and moving out there in different ways that, that haven't really been done before. And it's very exciting to see. And they're going at it with a real appreciation for their Judaism, for their Torah, for their Hasidic, and for creativity and with connecting with the world. They're yeah. not hidden off in a little bubble. They're out there. So, this is Thank a real um,
0: uh, twist on before we saw sort of the negative of Hasidic, and now we can see sort of the positive Chasidis. And I think we may need to uh, interview some of your alumni as well. But we're so grateful for awesome. your time and uh, what you're Thank doing for you. Um And so, we wish you continued Hatzlacha.
1: Thank you, Allison.
0: Thank you for having me. It's been All a right. pleasure. You catch us same time, same place next week. Bye bye.